7551 Delcom. Send available cars to the area. The place down by the lake, down by the lake, down by the lake. Maybe you could be my mom for a second and give me some advice. Just have a subject flee from me. She obstructed a murder investigation. Do you think maybe you're ready now to finally face what you're avoiding? Welcome to Killer Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director in Los Angeles, probably best known for my work on the long-running CBS procedural criminal minds. And, you know, I've cast a lot of kids who are killers. I've cast fathers who try to take the blame for their kids' murder. But I don't think I've ever cast a kid who killed his father's cousin's daughter girlfriend. But that is indeed, my friends, spoiler alert, what happened in the finale of Mayor of Easttown? And we're going to jump right into the finale. We're going to talk about how we felt, how we didn't feel. Why is Guy Pierce in this show? We're going to get through all of that. But to, I can't do this alone. I have to have some very wonderful brains and even bigger hearts helping me out with this. Please say hello to Brian A. Hill. Hey, what's going on? Good to be here. Right. Is it, Brian? It is. It's good to be here. But I don't understand. What do you mean you cast a bunch of kids? What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. It has to do nothing. Nothing okay. has to do with Carry it. on. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. And with us, my other sexy beast, Dean Laffin, the thunder from down under. How's Australia doing today, Dean? Not too bad. We've just commenced winter today. So uh, officially, I haven't cast any kids. I have made three. So I've got that going for me. Mm. Yep. Mm. Well, guys, we have a very special guest with us. He is somebody who I absolutely adore. He's one of the nicest people in Hollywood. Definitely one of the nicest casting directors <laughs> in our world. And he and I are in a very sort of elite category, kind of a sorority fraternity of casting directors who cast killers and psychopaths and all kinds of other people. Who is my special guest today? Jason Kennedy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Lisa. Jason, J-Dog. So Jason, can you tell the nice people what you cast, you and your partner, Susan? I have been so fortunate to work on NCIS, one of the longest running shows on television right now. We also cast NCIS Los Angeles. And yeah, it's a crime procedural show with a military side to it and uh, certainly have our share of killers and suspects and victims. So it's definitely yeah. in our wheelhouse for sure. Definitely. And as we've been talking, Jason, all these few weeks is that it's so hard to tell a really good who done it because we've seen every done it who who did it. Right. Yeah. It's oh, really, yeah. 
so hard to reinvent the stories and you just try your best to try to take the audience on a fun ride and have some surprises, but not have it be so out of the blue that you, there's nothing that feels satisfying about it, right? Yeah, it's it's hard to enjoy television, especially getting into, into whodunits. And it's hard for me to watch a procedural because we're, we do it all the time and we, we know exactly what it is that they're trying to do. They're trying to pull. Fortunately, with a show like this that's so serialized and there's so many many characters and there's so many stories, I was thankfully surprised. That was nice. That was a really nice feeling to be able to, to enjoy the show and to have a little, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. Well, let me just get some quick, fast responses from Bri Bri and Dean. What, just give me your quick hit on the finale and then form your, your feeling of the show in general. When the disclosure happened, I flashed to the moment in Stranger Than Fiction where Will Ferrell's character goes to Emma Thompson with the manuscript, having read it, read his death and goes to her and says, don't change it. It's elegant. Just perfect. I wasn't anticipating mm. the twist at all. All three of us had been talking about this and that speculating, but it really felt elegant. Really? It really felt elegant mm. to me. I had a couple big problems with mm-hmm. some details in that, but the fact that it was him it felt very satisfying to me. Mm. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Okay, Dino, what do you think? Yeah, very interesting. I made a comment in one of our earlier recaps that the story arc sort of started for me being about fathers, mm-hmm. but it's very much ended up being about mothers and overall about grief mm-hmm. and coping with it. And that line that Mayor says to Mr. Carroll, you all know the one I mean. She says, you just find a way to deal with the unacceptable or something like that. Right. Very, very satisfying. I started to wonder what was going up straight from the river scene. It's only about 12 minutes in when he confesses. And I'm thinking, who is he protecting? But I still didn't click <laughs> who that was. Yeah. And I also thought it was odd that the discovery for Mayor, we loop back to, as you said, Lisa, so many times the camera opens up on Mayor waking up. And then I think it's in the first episode, she's called to the Carol's house about the prowler and she's playing with the security system. And that's how we mm-hmm. get the reveal. So that's a nice little circle. So mm, I was, yeah, loved it. Yeah, I have to say that it was the best emotional experience of something with one of the worst structures I've ever seen in this finale. Getting her to the Carol house was like, no. Yeah, I just, anybody who's ever watched the procedural knows that in the first 12 minutes, there is no fucking way that John is the killer. There is no way with the rest of the show to go that there's not going to be another shoe, a boot, you know, a tap shoe that drops, right? There's going to be yeah. a million other things that drop. So once I knew there was so far to go, then I, then I knew who did it. I, I figured it out. But the emotional catharsis, that I, I never fucking cry when I watch things, ever, ever. Jason and I have to sit through monologues of people grieving their <laughs> dead wife, sisters, brother, whatever. And I never cry. And this, I was choked up so many times and I realized this is not a whodunit. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the murders or the kidnapping. This is a show about this woman 
who has to deal with all of these murders and abductions, but it's about her life. It's really not even about finding out who murdered Erin McMenamin, I didn't think. It was about watching her have to, like you say, Dean, that's when I started crying, when she sees the video footage of little Ryan Mm. Ross and her face and her Mm. emotions for so many things. She she gasped. For him, mm. for his mm-hmm. life, what his life, what it's going to do. And again, it's another example of, especially in this part of the country, all of these young people, it's like one bad mistake from having fulfilling lives. Right. right? We saw mm-hmm. it with Brianna. We see it with Ryan. Mare experienced that, I think, mm-hmm. given how young she was when she had Kevin mm-hmm. and as a grandmother at such a young age. It's these stories of these pivotal moments that impact a generation of people in this town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Mm. As you said, Lisa, this is not a murder mystery. That's not what it is. It's just one emotional hand grenade after another. All of a sudden, things get found out and then John's life is over. Laurie's not life is over, but her life is destroyed. She's left raising the baby, which is a product of incest, right? Mare's well, she disgusted. doesn't know that, right? No, 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 no. But she, then, yeah. but yeah. I can't remember now. She does. Yeah, she's, she's gutted she to discover that. that it's Ryan. So Laurie loses a son and a husband. Mare's already lost a son and husbands. It's just loss, loss, loss and grief everywhere. Just yeah. a, an emotional wreck. So much pain and grief for everybody. The whole town has just had so much loss. And for someone like Lori, who has, through no fault of her own, this just happened because her husband did this and her son did this, just snowball effect of trauma that came out of this. And, And everyone is just suffering and trying to still move on and live their lives. And and I think as we kind of come to the end of the story and we see that Mare is able to to take that next step that she's been resisting so much that Lori is is trying to cope with her new life and, and how that's going to be. It's, it gives us a little hope as things are wrapping up, but it, it's still so, so devastating and it's so yeah. upsetting to watch. But we watch a lot of shows that have all of this drama and pain and they want us to care about these characters and you don't, you never really, it's like, okay, enough already. But for yeah. this show, you really get, even though I had problems with the plot, I wanted to stay with these people. We're going to talk about a bunch of scenes that really moved me. But another scene where I got really verklempt was when Siobhan is leaving for college and they're all mm. there seeing her off, seeing her pull out of the driveway. And did you catch Denman's? I fucking love that actor. Did you catch how he starts? He almost starts to put his hand on Mare's back. It was a totally subtle thing. And then he doesn't. And then he does. It's such a great little subtle move that he did to we're a family. You know, I, I know that you're feeling as moved as I am. I don't know. What did you guys think about that? Well, that whole montage in the middle, I just started, the longer it went on and the happier, the more it looked like Leave it to Beaver, the more I started to worry because there was that moment of rapprochement with Mare and her daughter where she says, Mare's walking up the stairs and the daughter says, how's your day or whatever? And Mare says, oh, how would you expect? And then Siobhan says, East Town's a better place for you in it, mum. And so it's a little tender moment there. You've got the 
funny scene of the at the restaurant where Mayor and Frank and his fiance and Mayor's mum are all there, and Mayor's laughing and joking with the fiance that she couldn't stand before. And then when mum mum falls off the chair into the bin, and you know everyone's giggling and laughing, and she's three Manhattans in and all this sort of stuff. And it's all I'm going. Oh, we're getting set up for a sucker. I know. Me too. She's gonna get stabbed. (laughs) She's gonna get murdered. Yeah. And, and I couldn't help, as you do, Lisa, you've taught me. I just looked at the how much runtime was left and I just went, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> well, in that scene in the restaurant, as soon as Mayor made a point of saying, oh, there's Sheila who had the affair with John, mm, I was John. like, come on, really? Are we do That's not germane to any, it just seemed like, hey, this plot point is about to, this person walking in is going to be a really big deal. It just felt like, Flash, flash, because we had moved on. John was convicted. It doesn't matter whether John had an affair with this. He's in prison. So it was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is something, something's going to happen. And sure enough, in the passageway to the bathroom, the little under her breath, Mm. and then the realization of, oh, they weren't having an affair. Right. Yeah. At that point, though, that was, she was convinced that they had the right guy, that John was the doer. And it was that scene, though, for me, where I could just see Mayor's cogs starting to grind going well wait a second if he was lying about that then what was the secret that ryan when there was the blackout and laurie overheard yeah, yeah overheard, right. it's like exactly. now she's starting to go wait a minute but it was the it was the setup to that oh okay right, right. it was right, the right. telegraphing of oh look who just walked in it was just, that moment has come and gone where she would be it felt very just a little forced yeah no there yeah, was a couple sure. of those. Yeah. And plus the timing, I, I got very confused about how much time had passed. I didn't realize that eight months had passed. And I'm like, wait, yeah, why are they all having yeah. pizza together? And why is everybody so chummy wummy? And, and it's like, okay. I'm also the king of Tiki Tech, Jason. And I'm about to do a Tiki Tech thing. Once I realized Siobhan was going cross country by herself to college, I was like, in no fucking world does that happen. I lived three hours away when I went to school. My parents came with me. My <laughs> sister came with me. My grandmother came with me. A parent goes that yeah, one that gets first you set time. Up. Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right, to get you right, set up right. and all of that. I love the fact that it was Mayor understood to break the cycle, you have to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you out. stay here, mm-hmm. you're going to sink into this quicksand. And so by giving her blessing, yeah, you need to do that. But watching her go, it was just, she's 18. Driving across country to California from Pennsylvania. No, no, no. I know. No. I know. There's too much. Jason, let's talk about the casting for a second. So we, we were giggling about Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Yes. Guy, Guy Fieri, whoever he is. What's your thoughts about this? Well, from the very first moment I saw him, I forgot that he was in this show. And I was asking my husband, why is he in this show? I just didn't get it. And I totally did not buy this relationship, this attraction from either of them. I was like, why, who, who, why are we doing this? Why are we here? I understand, yes, she's got a social life. She's got other things going on. It didn't play at all. It didn't make sense. I actually was rooting for her and, and Evan Peters. I actually thought that could have been something more than this. It was just, it was so strange to me. And the long straggly hair, I don't know. I just didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, at first I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're giving her a love interest who's kind of her weight. It's not like an, another actor trying to punch 
up in his weight sure. to be uh, opposite her. And he's, they're, they're kind of giving her somebody shiny. And of course, they know each other and they did Mildred Pierce together. And then yeah. the longer, and then he kind of disappeared. And so that was weird to me. It's like they have this great yeah. fuck scene and there's all this great stuff is happening. And then he disappears. And so then we start thinking, wait, is he involved somehow? And so that's the thing is casting were like, okay, you don't just hire Guy Pierce just mm-hmm. to show up, shag and leave. Apparently you do. <laughs> you know, I guess no, but what happened is what so, I found what I found out is that they had actually cast a different actor in that role, Ben Miles, who if you watch lots of British TV like I do, I know mm-hmm. him from a million things. I don't know if I would have cast him in this role, but apparently he was he was let go. And so mm-hmm. they were kind of in a panic. And so Kate reached out, according to Brad Inglesby, Kate reached out to Guy and he was like, sure. And so he just jumped in to do it. And I think it had inadvertently, it was probably good because it made a lot of people go, hmm, he must have more to do with the plot than he did. But yeah, that was just, that was just interesting. And then at the end, I was just so confused. She wakes up in his apartment and he's leaving. And I'm like, right. And she's got a bag. Right. What? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just let you lock up. Please go lock the door on your way out. Bye. Yeah, Yeah, that was. And the whole thing of the episode before where he was like, you know what, when you are ready, you give me a call and ask me out. And then again, you're right. The unity of time was kind of like, what? There was nothing to kind of indicate that. And so to have him at the wedding and them dancing, her guardedness as a character trait is fine, but there just didn't seem to be any electricity or connection. And then the next morning, yeah, huh? (laughs) this seemed really shoehorned in. Yeah, and I was really hoping that she and Frank would get back together. It was like, if she's healing, if part of their strife is her, how she dealt with Kevin's death, I was kind of hoping that that would bring healing to them. I mean, it brought some sort of healing. I thought that the scene about picking the tuxedo was, that was kind of got. cute. Yeah. And then yeah. being smart, holy shit. I, this is, I do love this. In the middle of a pizza restaurant, wherever they are, Jean just has this huge emotional turn. She has this little scene. I just loved it. She just kicked ass in this show. She's fantastic. Lisa, you made me laugh out loud in the scene directly after the wedding. They cut to Mare, once again, asleep, in bed, <laughs> wearing her bra. <laughs> Who sleeps in a bra? Okay, screwing in a bra is one thing. You surely know a woman's going to sleep in a bra. So Jason, we've had this raging controversy because I say, yes, the first time I hook up with somebody, I definitely wear my bra because I'm a little shy. (laughs) I look nice and perky with it on, but when it's off... It's a whole other thing. Brian swears it just doesn't happen. Women never wear their bras during sex. I know, Jason, you're probably not the. Okay, so she's a had... cop. She's a cop. Yeah. You got to be ready to just jump out of bed, right, and go to work. So who's going to waste the time putting on a bra? But this is the thing. But this is the thing. When we were talking to Paget, the thing that I mentioned too was I feel the same way about a guy in a scene getting out of bed wearing pajama bottoms or boxers immediately after sex. There's a kind of, I think, Hollywood decorum that I think is a function of the industry and not the reality of the intimacy of the moment. And I think it's a cop-out for guys to be in boxers or what, or in the same thing, I think Dean mentioned last time, the woman draping herself in the top sheet to go to the bathroom. <laughs> if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, what the, 
Don't take down the fucking just bathroom. Go to the bathroom. I, gotta, I yeah. just washed that. I, I just tucked that in. We just had God, sex. What are you trying to hide for God's sake? Unbelievable. It's going to drip all over the floor. What? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the scene with Mare and Lori in the car. Wow. I know that Kate wanted Julianne Nicholson for this role. They're friends and she sent her the script. And so this is who Kate Winslet wanted to play this scene with. And wow. What did you think of that scene, Jason? Oh, that's just amazing. I was feeling for both of them. I was feeling for Mare and just wanting to be able to to be there in comfort and apologize and all these things that she wanted to be able to to express. And then, of course, all that, the pain and the blame and just all that unleashing out of out of Lori. I, I yeah, it was just wonderful. It was juicy. It was just so well done and authentic. And I just I loved every moment of it. Me too. Oh, man. I, th- I think the generosity of Kate Winslet to be the kind of star that she is and to give Julianne Nicholson that moment and to participate, to be involved as an actor and as a character, I think says so much about her character, mm-hmm. her, her inner character as a human being. Mm-hmm. I was just blown away by that, to be in that moment, in that way with letting the other person do all of the heavy lifting. Yeah, it was just, just, I just, it was you don't see that often. Yeah. yeah. Julianne, for mm-hmm. me, she started out really strongly and then just got better and better and better, didn't she? Absolutely. Uh, not in her performance, in acting performance. She was acting well from the start, but just her, the character that Laurie and the way that she just, her arc, if that's the right word, um, mm-hmm. was just mm-hmm. amazing. And she just ends up in, yeah, like that scene and then the subsequent scene with Mare, which we'll probably get to in a minute near the end. Just absolutely amazing. Jason, I know that Brad, I saw an interview with Brad Inglesby, the creator, talking about casting the kids. And this is something that drives me crazy when people just sort of cast kids and they really don't pay attention to how much they should resemble the parents. People are like, oh, who cares? It's just the kid. And I, I was complimenting the show previously that that kid, Ryan, looks like he could be Julian Nicholson's son, for sure. Oh, yeah. And, that's, yeah, yeah. and that's something that Brad Inglesby said was really important to him. And I felt the same way with the little baby that they had playing DJ, who by now is a little bit older, and his features look so much like John. I love that. And sometimes you have a director who'll be like, who cares? It's so important to me. I don't know if you. Oh, no, I totally, I completely agree with you. I think in our day-to-day episodic casting, you know, you don't have a lot of time. And I'm, I imagine they had a little bit more time to go and find some fantastic actors who were able to, mm-hmm. to really match their parents. But no, they did a, a fantastic job top and bottom. So this episode was the first time that I really, so this young man, Cameron Mann, all I could think of was he is a young Will Wheaton. Just looking at him, holy cow, he favors him so much. And he's got such power. And I'm sure that you guys can attest to this. It's heartbreaking seeing this generation of actors coming up who have been trained in Nickelodeon and Disney, that very presentational style mm. of acting. It's hard to get them to have a genuine moment and to see his presence and his depth a feel is just it's tough material and he's just yeah he was incredible and the narrative that he's got to carry i mean he's got to retell the story and then show him flashbacking but i don't know my criminal profiler 
put my criminal profiler hat on. And I'm like, look, any good defense attorney could get that kid out of jail like that. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's under duress and it was an accident and he didn't mean to kill her. I really didn't feel like his life was over, but I loved how Mare dealt with him in the back of the squad car, how she explained mm. to him. Mm. That was another moment I was choking up, seeing her caring for him and what how scared he must be and what he would be going through. There was a great, just a wonderfully brief piece when Mare is interrogating him in the station house and Laurie's sitting against the wall and Ryan's telling the story of, of what really happened. And so Mare says, oh, so the secret wasn't really about whatever that woman's name was that John was having the affair with. And the camera cuts to Laurie and she's got her head back against the back wall and she just mouths a silent no. And she's just, she's devastated. She's worn down. She, she can't even push it out as a word, but you just see her mouth just mouth the word. I was like, wow. Yeah, for a while there, I thought they were going to have Lori be the one who killed Aaron. Like she found mm. out about the affair. And I'm so glad they didn't because that's such no. a trope of the yeah. woman scorn going and killing her rival. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. Sorry, now we're bouncing back actually, but to the mm -hmm. it's another interview scene when Mayor and the chief are interviewing John and he's telling him the story and he says, oh no, it's, it wasn't just sex. We had a connection. And then he goes on this little justification for his mm -hmm. statutory rape and everything. And there's a look mm -hmm. on the chief's face of just absolute disbelief. He did everything but drop his jaw. He's just like, what the hell? And then by the end of it, and then there's Ryan in there being interviewed. And I'm just thinking, John, you son of a bitch. This is all on him, right? Mm -hmm. It's all on him. Everything happened because of him. And I had the thought, Lisa, it was odd that, well, not odd, but just they kept coming back to that sort of rocky river scene for various, at, mm -hmm. at various times. Fishing. And I flash, yeah, I flash back to when she was first found. And again, with your CSI slash criminal minds hat on and profiling RCP, whatever. Remember, we commented that it was odd that she was staged as if it was a sexual assault, but she, her underpants were still on. Mm -hmm. And now we know that, well, it was John and Billy and Ryan that took the body out there. And I wondered if no, that... Ryan wasn't there. No. Oh, Ryan was. Yeah, that's right. That's no. right. He called. Yeah, he called John. Yeah, and yeah that Ryan bumps for me because I don't understand that story point. Why would they take her clothes off and stage her like that? Why not bury her? And I don't think that they explained it in the they breakdown. Did. Why no. would they strip her, especially Billy? Why would he want to see? her body like that it was just so cold it didn't fit the profile of who actually killed her why you know? even try why even have it so easily found right there's so yeah. many other things they could have done did they ever explain what the whole deal was with dylan and his cohort and no they never again, did no, no again it was a very a just end, very yeah, flawed left. thing where you no know, they say that dylan wanted his parents to keep dj so he was afraid that if in Aaron's diaries, she mentioned that she was having an affair with John, that the true paternity would be revealed. But it was so, it did not make any sense because yeah. those scenes where he's chasing, Je where they're chasing Jess in the car and it's so malevolent, there's something going on. They made it seem like there was much more going on yeah. than just, oh, I want my parents to adopt this kid. Who's Before yeah. we move on, and, and Dean kind of touched on it, I would like to give kudos to Joe Tippett who yeah. played John Ross. That scene yeah. where he's being interrogated, just the way his eyes darted, the way he kept his head down for most of the time and would look up every so often. But basically, it was just 
I thought that scene was mm-hmm. just fantastic. And I just, he has such an interesting face. Such an interesting face. I know he's you know, a New York I actor. Just, Jason, have you ever seen that guy before? Have you I don't seen? think I have. No, no. If you look he's at so IMDb Pro, look at his headshot. It's like, this is not the same guy. It's an old headshot. It must be. Because I just, Dean was mentioning justifying. And yeah, it's despicable what he did. But again, it's this kind of stunted development where mm-hmm. he's- Oh, yeah. Oh, this young girl. It's like they're the same soul because he just never grew up. Not really. And he liked the attention. I just thought it was really, really so well done. I felt yeah, the acting it. is and the acting is, I think, doing more than maybe the story deserves because why does he go? So he takes his brother fishing one last time. Right. Yes. He's going to yes. kill his brother. Why? He, why? Because it, how is that going to cover up his son? And then he goes to kill himself. So the audience thinks that he really is the murderer. Why would he kill? It doesn't track. Yeah, right. I really bumped up against that because the the plan, if I'm correct, was Billy was going to confess. Yes, that was yeah. that, that's what they were trying to to do and what was he backing down or was John just thinking it's never going to work out let's just frame my brother and he committed suicide or maybe because the dad saw him all bloody the dad is kind of forcing the hand because dad is all of a sudden remembering Mm. Mm. yeah that that was bugging me you know I've mentioned in various other reps I'm looking at Gordon Clapp and I'm just thinking the hell I know this guy I know this guy I know this guy and and, but of course it was so long since I'd seen him in NYPD Blue he was the Mm. yeah the awkward detective metavoy in that and I watched that whole series so it finally clicked for me which was good but yeah whilst I understood that John well I believed John had decided he didn't want to take the risk he was going to go and kill Billy but he was about to shoot him in the head but from a distance, he's it's like, if it's going to be, yeah. if it's going to be a suicide, you can't do that. He's going to have no GSR. He's, you know, it's all wrong. Really not then, criminally sophisticated, Dean. No, that's right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. But I thought that it was odd that then, so then there's Billy saying, I'm worthless. Do it. Kill me, kill me, kill me. Then Mayor and Billy jump on John. And then the other brother, John is begging he's saying begging man just shoot me just shoot me so within five minutes they're both begging to be killed so well, i thought that was so funny. one character we haven't mentioned yet is a character i didn't really like very much but wow again i started crying is the deacon mm-hmm. who has this amazing sermon that he tells that i i really was moved by it he was sort of just one of these i don't know what you guys call them jason well he's a red herring he's somebody who we thought was guilty but obviously not guilty whatsoever ever did i think he was guilty but who certainly suffered throughout the show and then he has this sermon and i just uh, it just really moved me i don't know what did you think of him i thought it was good i tend to tune out a little bit during sermons but oh, oh yeah but, oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> but no i felt for him i really did as i did for a lot of characters he was i agree he wasn't one of my favorites it was some of the other characters it, it felt a little forced having him put having him in the story to kind of try to distract us from what's really happening but i appreciated it and i thought the actor did a really nice job yeah yeah for sure that moment specifically all i could think of was oh here we go Broadchurch. just one of those moments well guys there's that lucy we haven't talked about with Sosi bacon or carrie just they did her so wrong yeah that was i thought that was so that cheap was sort of a cop out yeah mm. oh 
But, and it's interesting, there's a lot of restraint in that scene. Kind of like you said, Ryan, that they let Sosie have this scene and you don't have Mayor going, oh, we'll be mm-hmm. like, there was none of that schmaltzy coming together because she does not like her. Yet she lets her have her say and she doesn't jump up and down in glee saying, see, I told you, you fucking junkie that you couldn't handle this. Just an interesting scene of restraint. And I thought Sosie Bacon was fantastic in it. She's wonderful. I, I read her many years ago and always thought she's going to be a star. And, and so I'm so happy to see her in this. And she's fantastic in this. Uh, and I agree with Brian. Yeah, they totally did her character wrong. But I also kind of had a little hope for for her future and the fact that she will probably still get to visit with her son until right. she's at a place where she can maybe have full custody or shared custody or something right. that's going to work. I was really proud of her character for coming and saying, I can't do this. I haven't been able to to manage and to do this alone. And I need you to do this. That was really special, I thought. Right. So mm. then we get to this last scene where well, Mary wakes up and she's in bed with little Drew, who again, what great casting. That little kid. Such oh my God. Doll. Jason and I and Dean, we all have sons. That kid was such a real kid. There's mm-hmm. one scene a couple episodes ago where he enters the room with his butt first and he's hopping like a little bug. Yes. And, yes. and Gene Smart is like, stop it. That is such a kid. Yes, you that know? was and my this, that was my kid at that age. Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> if this were a Disney or a Disney-esque show, and we love Disney, there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. Disney, but mm-hmm. the kid would not have been like that. Flying an airplane, yeah. Yeah, yeah. flying an airplane <laughs> or teddy bear or something like that. Not acting like a bug on the floor with his ass in the air. But anyway, Mare <laughs> gets up from bed little pudding next to her and then she I totally had forgotten about her dealing with Kevin's suicide and pulling down the attic and then going Mm. up the stairs and I was just like oh that was it just stuck with me and I'm so glad that they don't show what she does right they don't Mm -hmm. give her this big speech Kevin I'm so this or that and we don't even really find out why Kevin took his own life really and often in real life, we don't mm-hmm. know why Yeah, no. you know, people are, are pushed to the edge. And I guess we assume it had something to do with his, his mental issues, but it's never really explained. And I appreciated but, that, that it wasn't explained because that's, that is how we, a lot of times end up dealing with it and just having yeah. no answers. Yeah. I just, I thought it was funny that after all the hypothesizing and everyone's online, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, everyone's speculating about the murder, that it wasn't the deacon. It wasn't shithead Dylan. It wasn't the sometimes a bit suspicious looking priest, Mayor's cousin. cousin it, yeah. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't any of the flannel shirted, bearded family. It wasn't the kidnapper of the two girls. And it wasn't even DJ's father. I would give props to anyone who had picked that a long way up. I picked the kid in the very beginning. The first, the first moment I saw him, I thought, oh, he did it. But I kind of mm. let go of that thinking... How is that going to be maneuvered? But just because, of course, it's you you suspect everybody, right? Did you yeah. did you pick up by the way that what's the, the missing girl, Kate? Mm-hmm. So Beth, that's Freddie's house. She gives Freddie's house. Oh to, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. I did. Right, oh, one, right. loose, one loose end was Katie. At one point, tells the other girl there was a third girl here, but she got pregnant, and he didn't like that. What happened to that? What girl? happened to yeah? There were a lot of still loose. Right. Okay, here's here's a weird little thing that bugged me while I was watching it. Usually I find holes after I've watched it. Was the burner phone that John had where he's texting Aaron and he right. goes out, he has a call or whatever, comes back, there's texts on his phone in his jacket and Ryan goes and checks it. First of all, it's a burner phone. So it's got to be locked, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. there's got to be some 
way to prevent his wife from getting. So how is it that Ryan was able to just jump on and yeah, and check yeah. this message and respond? I don't know. It was just a little thing that just bugged me, but it, it probably wouldn't better if he had caught them up at the lake or so, or like if he had seen them on the family camp or something that put him seeing or, them actually hooking up or something. I don't know. That would have made more sense than mm. the whole texting thing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It did throw me a bit when she went up the stairs and it faded to black and I could see that there was, there's normally two or three minutes of credit. And so did we all stay around and watch the making of? I, after you mentioned it, Dean, I did. <laughs> so, yeah. I did not. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what have I got? Some, some notes. Oh, I, it was funny to hear Kate's real voice. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden she's talking in her own voice. It's like, that's wrong. That's not right. Mm-hmm. And at one point they interview Brad. We had on Susan Hegarty, the dialect coach for Kate for this. And Lisa, she's, she was sitting in the exact same, you could see the same fireplace that we interviewed her at that one. So straight away, I thought yeah. uh, we could have, uh, I don't know, would it have been mawkish if Mayor would have at least gone and maybe a little short scene at Colin's grave or something as a nice way of rounding well, off? I kind of did feel like we forgot about Zabel. Maybe there should have been just something. He sees something in the paper about his memorial. I don't know. There was, there, yeah. I kind of definitely got left behind. Yeah. Once that scene closed out and she faded to black with her passing out, that was it. We never saw him again. But by the way, he must have finished the bottom of his class in shooting school as cops, right? Because he's got his hand on the butt of the gun on his hip. And then the other guys got the, ch- the time to reach around. Uh, pots and pull the gun and drill him in the head before but, he can do anything. But so. you know, as my friend Jim Clementi says, in all of his 20 years working in the FBI, he never drew his gun once. Wow. And you do have to, whatever, go to shooting ranges and stay licensed. But in reality, although it doesn't seem like it <laughs> because mm-hmm. of what the media covers, law enforcement actually don't pull their gun very often. Right. They're not quick on the draw as it seems and well that little behind the scenes also pointed out that that scene was the first time that Kate Winslet had ever held a gun right, in, right. in real life or in film and that sort of made me I went oh yeah that would be odd because here in Australia there are basically no handguns right guns are very tightly controlled the only people who have guns here are cops and crooks cops shoot crooks and crooks shoot crooks but crooks don't really shoot people here so I don't know any person who owns a handgun. I've never seen one that wasn't on a cop. I've never handled one. So yeah, for her to play that scene and pick it up. I, for the- I loved how she played that scene. It, it didn't feel like she was this, you know, kick-ass cop that was experienced in busting down doors. And it just, it felt like a, a mom who happens to also be a cop who's trying to survive and, and get out of there. And it was just, it was so well done. She's yeah, just- I- And to that point, most of the time, because of the baggy clothes that she wore and the big coats, Mm -hmm. most of the time it looked like she wasn't even carrying a gun. You know how Mm. in American television so often it's front and center. You see they've got it right Mm. on their hip and they make a point of, see, I'm packing. And because she's wearing these big coats, most of the time it just looked like she was kind of a constable. She wasn't really armed. She just had the badge. Yeah, as I've said before, that's one of the things I loved about her performance because she and I have the same body, basically, mom body. And when she, whether she's wading through the the river trying to stop <laughs> John and Billy, or she's jumping over a fence, half falling over a fence, and twisting her ankle, like you said, Jason, I just love it. They didn't make her into a super cop, and she it was almost. Mm-hmm. And I think I read this somewhere. She was sort of the anti Sherlock, anti Luther, anti all of those tropes that we have. Well, um, and a yeah. clock that she. As she was crossing the river, she lost her gun. Oh, 
<laughs> because she because she picked up she picked yeah. up the gun that they were going for. She didn't have her gun with her. That's right. Yeah. Lost in the river. Well, one of the last fan theories was that her character was going to at some point get killed in the finale and that Richard's next book that he's finally able to write and become a bestseller is the story of Mayor of Easttown. That didn't come to fruition, but... Thank uh, goodness. Thank goodness. (laughs) Well, anything else you want to say as we wrap up? Oh, I wanted to say this. I cannot remember the last time, probably Game of Thrones, when I felt like a majority of people were watching the same show week after week. It's such a nice feeling. You know, it's a really a throwback feeling Mm. to before there was streaming and 800,000 channels. It felt really cool. I mean, not everybody obviously is watching HBO Max, but more people watching it week after week instead of just binging it. It just was a really great community feeling for me. I don't know how you- I feel like HBO shows are those kind of, you have True Detective, I think Sharp Objects, what is it, Big Little Liars, is that what it's called? The Night of. Show. And the Night of. We've been kind of spoiled with, and I mean that both ways, with Netflix right. releasing it all at once, where you could just watch it all at once. There is something very thrilling about yeah. having to wait. The anticipation. To, to talk about it in between, yeah. to conjecture. Debrief right? about it, really. F- yeah. And just exactly. keep ruminating and thinking about it, replaying it in your head. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Sexy Beast, for being on this journey with me. It's been really fun. And Jason, and congratulations, Jason, on I know you're getting another season of Thank NCIS. you. What's up? Sounds like the finale, your finale went really well. Sounds like there was some big events that happened in that finale. And I hope yeah. that, that you're happy with how it all wrapped up and you're excited about when does your season start and when do you go back? We start prep in first week of July. July, yeah. It's usually And just before we go, something I stumbled across earlier this morning was an interview with Brad Inglesby, and it was talking about procedurals and how he felt that with Mayor, he had finally understood how to do them and mentioned that two years ago, he'd done another procedural called $1. And it's set in Pittsburgh, and it, it's the principle of it is that it follows a single dollar bill through the different hands of a bunch of people during the commission of a whole bunch of crimes and murders and so on. So I am personally going to be looking that one up and finding it and cool. checking it out. I think there was a movie a long, long time ago called $20 Bill. And it was one of the first times I ever saw Steve Buscemi in anything. Oh, yeah. And I was like, is this an actor or did they just find somebody on the street? I, I love that guy to death. I love him. And I I don't know. I put him together in the same box for some reason. But um, John Turturro, I just, mm-hmm. he just oh, yeah. loves me. Just, loves him. such an immense actor. Oh, yeah. Okay, you guys. Fantastic. Jason, thank you so much for joining. Yeah. You thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks, Jason. You want to talk about. And for now, this is Killer Casting signing off. 